Hello, everybody, and welcome back. It's a long-awaited return of the Top Four Tiers podcast. Um, as you probably know, we haven't done an episode since around September time. Um, but I'm back, and I'm back with a new, a totally new member, actually, uh, Lucas Ross, who is a friend of mine. He's a fellow QPR fan. We'll try to keep it as non-QPR biased as possible, but the plan is to, as I say, rekindle the podcast, me and Lucas and we'll try and get a couple of guests on, whether that's Robbie or Luke, the other Lucas, who's WBA base, um, on here as guests for the odd week. Um, yeah, we're going to be talking about all things top four tiers every week um, from now until at least the end of the season. And then we'll keep that going if, it, if you guys like it. So, yeah, if Lucas, you want to say hello? Evening, fellas. Evening, listeners. Um, it's a pleasure to be on the podcast and... Yeah, hopefully we can be producing these until the end of the season, hopefully during the off-season, if there's anything to talk about. Yeah, sounds good. So, just a disclaimer, I think I did say this before the first Top 40s podcast. Um, we've not got a time to mention every single team and every single game um, every week. You know, we've got four leagues, we've got 92 clubs to try and cover. And it's just impossible to talk about all 92 teams or or every single game. So we are going to be only picking out, say, the main talking points from each league. But what we do aim to do is, whether it's the bottom of League 2 or the top of the Premier League, we're going to cover it equally because there's not a lot of, of podcasts or media, football media out there right now that give the lower leagues enough coverage. So... That's our main aim. But without further ado, we're going to we're going to start off and we will start in the Premier League um, with a breaking news story. As we record this today on Monday, um, it is the Watford versus Norwich game, which ended up with Claudio Ranieri being sacked about 40 minutes ago by Watford. Three months in charge, Lucas. But I think it's one of them where when he was appointed, I think it was a, a poor decision and... And this was coming for me. I mean, with the reputation of Watford's owners, the Pozzo family, um, they basically sack a manager whenever they get a damn cold. They sack managers like this. Basically, whenever something starts to go a little bit wrong, they just give up, flash the fingers, and then they're on the hunt for a new one. Then, then they repeat the cycle six months later. Um, he only lasted for 14 games. Um in fairness, they're on their worst run of form for over eight years now. And they've only taken seven points from a possible 39. And um, they prayed, they, while they did praise the integrity, they felt that um, they did need a change because it's looking properly, properly grim for them now as they do sit as they do sit 19th in the Premier Yeah, they sit 19th in the Premier League, having won only four games all season and having lost 14 as well. Um, it's looking properly grim for the Hornets and living near Watford, I know quite a few Watford fans and it's, it's not looking rosy for them at all at the moment. I, I totally agree and I think you've covered that really well. Um, I would say that Watford's policies in my opinion just rubbish but it does seem to sort of work for them and they'll probably get a manager and they'll get a bounce but talking about that game on Friday night then I don't think many people saw that coming I mean Watford were despicable how bad they were but 
but praising Norwich, I mean, so many people have written them off as as almost relegated, and I mean, they now sit outside the bottom three. Yes, if Newcastle win their game in hand and Watford win their games in hand and Burnley too, they, they could go bottom. But, you know, I think you've got to praise what uh, Norwich and you've got to praise Dean Smith. You know, back-to-back wins and and now that thing that looked so unlikely um, now looks it's almost possible. I mean, credit where credit is due, it's... Um... It's been a bit of an upturn in form, if you like, because since Dean Smith then came in during the November international break, they they went unbeaten for the first three matches. Um, although they did lose the next five, um, none of them were particularly easy opponents. And then after after overcoming Charlton in the cup, um, they've they've now won their last two games against relegation rivals Watford, and some could say relegation rivals Everton as well. Um, so I think um, even though um, Burnley do have four games in hand over over Watford and and could go as high as 14th if they win all those games in hand, um, I just still think that credit where credit is due, Norwich have had quite a good turnaround. And I don't know if you've seen the highlights, but I think it was Sargent's first goal was absolutely out of this world. For someone who hasn't even scored in the Premier League, um, to have to have done that, some might say it was worth the wait. I mean, yeah, it was a cracking goal and definitely a confidence booster. You saw him play the rest of that game uh, very confidently. So hats off to Josh Sargent for that. Um, I'm going to come to you now, Lucas, with a choice of two games you can talk about. I want to ask, what about... Aston Villa 1, Everton 0, or Leeds United 0, Newcastle 1? I'm going to go with Everton Villa. But I'm, I'm just going to say, um, Luca Digne, um, Douglas Luiz, um, Andre Gomez and Philip Coutinho, three or four years ago were all at Barcelona, and Yerry Mina as well. Um, yeah. now, now they're all... Now they, all, all, all the players I just said started um, on Saturday. And it was a it was a pretty decent match. It was a matter of um, the old hero coming back to haunt Everton big timers. On Fort Mob, he got 8.4 out of 10, man of the match, and he got an assist as well. And I think it's just highlighting Everton's woeful form since since the September international break. And yes, we did press their self-destruct button. Um, I'm proud to admit that as a QPR fan. But um, I'm I'm going to say that what is going on at Everton? They've got Brentford in the FA Cup next, and then it's and then it's three crucial crucial fixtures they need to get points from: Newcastle away, Leeds at home, and then Southampton away. I think Everton are in serious serious trouble if they don't get any points from those three matches. I think it's do or die for them. I really again, think it is. Again, nail on the head there. Um, and I genuinely do believe Everton could be could be dra- dragged into a relegation battle. And I think they are lucky that there's two or three at least, maybe even four sides this season that are, are really bad. Um, and that's probably keeping them, you know, from really being in relegation danger. But as you said, those next three are massive for them. Uh, as for two teams that are down there as well, Leeds, Newcastle, that was a massive game and it. A dagger to the heart of Leeds fans. I mean, what what a win for Newcastle. Uh, you know, big big away support as usual. Great fans, Newcastle. But 
Um, I think on the whole, Leeds did dominate the game, but they just lacked, lacked that killer instinct. And with Bamford injured again, you know, they need a striker. Um, and, and Bielsa is very stubborn, but they just need to get someone in there that can that can finish those chances. And it showed in Newcastle, yes, Meslier, who's been brilliant this season, his mistake was the game changer. And, and that could kickstart the season for Newcastle. Um, you know, a big away win. And obviously old John Joe, Mr. Reliable, get the ever-present getting the goal to decide the game. I think, yeah, it's a it's a... It's an unbelievable win for Newcastle. Just looking at the stats, some might say they deserved it, but um, they had 1.05 expected goals compared to Leeds' 1.19. They did have more shots and created more chances than Leeds. Um, they they did them on corners as well, but I but I think this win could act as a catalyst for some good things to come in the second half of the season for the Toon. As, as we know, the whole team's been... Very shy on confidence and won just one game prior to Saturday. And that was against Burnley, their fellow relegation rivals. And being winless before um, December, I think this could well act as a big, big catalyst um, to perhaps project them up the table um, and towards safety and then perhaps even further the top half. I mean, I think top half this season is unrealistic, let's be honest, but... I think if they can survive this year and then they'll get the, the big money, obviously, that'll come in. I mean, there's already been so many players linked, the likes of Lingard, Ali, Diego Carlos. I mean, so many Brereton, Diaz. Um, and, you know, that I think if they can stay up, they'll be a massive, a massive prospect. A couple more games that I want to quickly, briefly touch upon. Southampton played brilliantly, actually, to hold Man City to a, a one-all draw and if it wasn't for an offside goal, they would have been 2-0 up and, and cruising in that game and drop points for City. But I still think, obviously, they're firmly in control of the, the title race. Um, but Liverpool did put the pressure on with a 3-1 with away win at, at Sellers, the place that everyone remembers their collapse there in 2014, which decided the title race back then. And Palace were brilliant in this game. Um, Michael Elise has, has been really really good this year and and he was again at, at play and Conor Gallagher as well was brilliant but I mean it wasn't it was never a penalty but the game was pretty much decided by then but a bit of a smash and grab for Liverpool but they go they close the gap to six points and as I say I think the only way Liverpool can even have a chance in this title race is if they literally win every game now from now until the end of the season and I think we all know that's never going to happen. Um, but yeah, that that's that's the that's the very top really discussed. And the last game we're going to talk about in the Premier League is going to be Chelsea again beating Spurs. I'll come to you with this, Lucas. But it was a class apart on Conte's return and, and Spurs' fourth defeat of the season to Chelsea. Yeah, that is looking. And their performance yesterday was rather grim. Um, I think. I think while they did have a goal unfairly disallowed, um, I think that was never a push. That was never a foul from Harry Kane. Um, Thiago Silva just showed his experience there to just go absolutely soaring along the ground. Um, yeah, it's it's ridiculous that I mean, Harry Kane. He does put his hand on the back, but 
it's just Silva gets caught wrong side of the ball and throws himself down, doesn't he? Yes, um, it's, it's simulation, and if it's um, and I think if it's in at the opposite end of the pitch that gets given a simulation and a yellow card for Thiago Silva, I would hope at least. But with VAR around these days, I wouldn't be surprised if other things happen. Nevertheless, I still think that um, Spurs were absolutely lacklustre. They were really quite poor going forward, didn't create any big chances at all. And um, Chelsea played more, played 200 more passes and had better passing accuracy than Spurs. And while they, while they had no offsides, um, I think they, I think Spurs just got outclassed, just got outclassed by the, that Chelsea side. Yeah, I think it just showed that Spurs, I mean, there's been a lot talked about Conte wanting, desperately wanting additions. And I think it did show the likes of Ndombele and Lo Celso, I think, are set to leave the club. And, I mean, you look at that Spurs midfield, I think Oliver Skip's a good player, but when it's Winks, Skip, and I can't remember who the third central midfielder was, and Hoiberg in the midfield three, where's the creativity there? Um and, you know, that's where Spurs need, they need that creative spark. It could have been Ndombele, but it obviously hasn't worked out. Uh, but yeah, that that's pretty much the Premier League. It, obviously, if we haven't spoken about your side, then we do apologise. But hopefully we'll speak about them next week and tell them to win 3-0 and then we'll definitely talk about them. But moving on to what me and Lucas obviously think is the best league in the world, and that is the second tier, the championship. Again, it never failed to disappoint. And, so many cracking, cracking games and cracking results here. And um, we'll start with the two derbies that happened early on. The seven side, which went to Bristol City 3-2 in a brilliant win for them. Real boost for their confidence. And then obviously the Brian Clough trophy between Nottingham Forest and I mean, how many times Derby County have been mentioned recently, but the misery continues for them as they lose to their bit of rivals 2-1. Um which game do you want to talk about there, Lucas? Oh, this one, this one's a tough one. I think I'm going to go with um, um, Forest Derby, the Brian Clough Trophy. I think um, while I didn't watch it because I was travelling up to Coventry, um, I think I've, it's it's just salt in the wounds for Derby fans because that because Forest were just a class apart looking at the stats. It it was it was not a good game at all for Forest and and I think with that no for Derby should I say and I think with the handbags at the end with, which revol- which resulted in Ravel Morrison getting sent off and um, Nathan Byrne getting a yellow card I think it just goes to show um, that nothing nothing is really going Derby's way off the pitch and in Saturday's case on the pitch as well and and I think that 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 just commiserates how grim it's been for Derby recently and the fact that they haven't been they haven't managed to beat Forest since October two thousand and seventeen, which just shows that it's been going a bit backwards recently, if you like. I mean the whole Derby we could literally sit here and talk for an hour about the whole Derby situation. We will obviously mention it because as I say, the, it's a massive club and, and the financial problems they're going through, it is heartbreaking, even though, yes, they did cheat. And I think a lot of Derby fans that, that used to go and say, we had Mel Morris on street. Mel Morris has got the EFL on strings. And 
yeah, it, it was frustrating for other EFL fans because I remember you used to sit, sit there as a QPR fan thinking, just how can Derby do this? But, um, you know, getting the likes of Mount and Tamori on loan and things. But, you know, nobody wants to see them die. And, and the Middlesbrough and Derby fans have been going back and forth with the Steve Gibson claim, which is there is also a Wickham Wanderers claim. Um, but the, the Middlesbrough one's really the big one. And I think there's a lot of, of salt between Derby and Middlesbrough fans. And I think the wise solution is is the claim should be dropped for me. I, I don't know what your thoughts on it are, Lucas, but I just think, yes, Gibson, what is right? He's probably right in what he's saying. They did cheat the rules and that did prevent them from getting into the playoffs and a potential loss of a lot of money. And Steve Gibson is a brilliant owner for Middlesbrough and he's so loved by the Borough fans. You know, me living in and around the area where the training ground is in Middlesbrough, you know that there's a lot of love for Gibson, but I just think he should he should he should really realize that although he is trying to get at Mel Morris, he's actually ending up hurting the Derby fans. And and that's why I think the claim has to be dropped, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it was as I, I believe it was Gary Neville. Might have been Jamie Carragher, but as one of the senior football pundits at Sky said the other day, I think if we just want to make peace, then the claims should be dropped. Um, and you know what? While I don't agree with everything that the owners of other football clubs say, I'm actually going to agree with them here, and I'm going to agree with yourself as well, Tom, because I think that um, it's been pretty bad for Derby this season, as it is. Um Tom Tom Lawrence obviously he's, he's been doing bits for Derby as has Colin Kazin Richards who is probably I reckon he could well retire at the end of the season he is thirty five let's not forget um, I think while they while they're doing while they're doing their best to stay up having been deducted twenty one points let let's not forget they would be thirteenth if it wasn't for the points deduction right now um, I mean, which that's is it. that's the thing. That's that just thing, no, they they be fourteenth, but still, that's it's really big. Well, that's it. The point I think that they've been hurt enough. You know, a twenty-one point deduction is massive, um, and I think that's why nobody wants to see Derby die, do they? At the end of the day. But anyway, moving on. Before we speak about that for about three and a half hours, I'll quickly touch upon the seven-side Derby. It's it's very heated with the fans. I mean. I thought the videos that emerged of the Cardiff fans trashing the Bristol City toilets, I think that's just pretty ridiculous. But Cardiff's defending was was really poor. Um, all three goals, but especially that first one, Chris Martin. I'm not sure why Mark McGuinness runs onto the goal line. Um, and then the, I think it was the, the second as well where... where the ball is tackled, Curtis Nelson tackles his own player into Martin's path. You know, it's just awful defending. And Cardiff really, I'd be worrying if I was Cardiff because they are looking like they could get dragged into a relegation battle um, if they're not careful. Another game that we absolutely have to talk about is, is Reading 3, Huddersfield 4. I mean, Danny Ward, hat-trick hero here. Um, his last hat-trick actually was back in 2014 for Huddersfield. He's had a few, he's had a few clubs since then, one of which being Cardiff. Um, but he, I mean, there were six goals in the first 45 minutes of this game. And I think that says a lot for both teams. 
Huddersfield are actually in the playoffs, but I think it's totally unsustainable um, at the minute. They're defending just awful for all three goals, especially the uh, Puskas one. I mean, they're just parts like the Red Sea and John Swift just runs into the space and plays it through to Puskas. And it's a good finish from Puskas, but yeah, if it wasn't for Danny Ward having an unbelievable day, I think Reading... Reading would have probably come away with the three points here, but their misery continues and, and the pressure on Velko Paunovic continues and he could be the next manager to go. I mean, I think that's probably the case. Um, another game I'll quickly touch upon. There's so many good ones to talk about in the uh, in the second tier, but Fulham beating Stoke in, in a great game. Ian Wright's grandson. I mean, that makes me feel old, even though I'm only 18. Um, you know, DiMaggio, Wright, Phillips literally opened the scoring in the first minute. Um, but Stoke played brilliantly in this game, actually, but Fulham are just a cut above, aren't they, Lucas? Well, as a QPR fan, it does pay me to say it. They are. Um, while they have quite badly outspent the rest of the division, um, and, they and they will go down with FFP if they don't get promoted... I think some of the, I think the team that Fulham have is just ridiculous. On what dimension do you have John Michel Seri? I know he didn't play on Saturday, but on what dimension do you have John Michel Seri playing in the Championship alongside the likes of Rodrigo Muniz, Fabio Carvalho, Bobby Deckard over Reed, Paul Gazaniga, to name a few? It's just madness what Fulham are doing right now and. Yes, while Jack Bonham was very poor for Stoke, um, he only got 3.6 on FOTMOB. Um, I still think that um, the weaknesses were exploited by Fulham. And while, while they did dominate over Stoke, I still just think that, yeah, um, they're just a class above and there's not much we can do about it. And DiMaggio Wright-Phillips, who is 20 years old, Sean Wright-Phillips' son, mind you, I believe, um, I think, yeah, that just, that just makes me feel a bit old. For a bit of reference, I'm 17 next week, so I think, yeah, that's just making me feel old now. Yeah, um, and I think the last thing to say on Fulham is the fact that Harry Wilson and Alexander Mitrovic both didn't play against a side that have playoff aspirations in Stoke and ha who some fans said it was their best performance of the season and yet they were just comfortably beaten still. And even though the scoreline didn't reflect that, um, if it wasn't for a Lewis Baker Thunderbolt, it, it probably would have been 3-1 and, and that would have been it. Um, so, yeah, I think the league's Fulham's. West Brom got a big win, 3-0 at Peterborough, but that was toxic until the 78th minute where... A fairly lucky Cedric Kipre goal broke Peterborough's deadlock. I think for Peterborough, they are one of the worst away sides I've seen. And and their home form is their only chance of survival. Um, again, I think with West Brom, it was just more of the same. They're very good defensively. They're actually one of the best defensive teams in, in the league. Um, well, they are the best defensive team in the league comfortably, but they just seem attacking-wise to be to be lacking in threat. And then another club that we're going to 
talk about a little bit is Hull City, who who went away to Bournemouth under Grant McCann. You know, new ownership, bit bit more bounce among the club. The Alams finally out, and they won one nil. Um, Ryan Longman with with a brilliant goal. Um, more great work from George Honeyman, who, who's so instrumental to them. Uh, I, I didn't realise how old he was. So he's twenty seven. I, I still thought he was early twenties, but. Great result for Hull, but the reports coming out that that Grant McCann may be getting sacked and has been sacked by the new Turkish owner just baffles. He after beating uh, Blackburn and Bournemouth, I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's madness and something which I don't think should be happening. I think he should be given a bit of time, a bit of money to see out the rest of January transfer window, and if it don't go too well for them, then yeah, he can go, but. I think it's just ridiculous. Also, I'm just going to touch on the West Brom match quickly. They did not stand a chance. Peterborough did not stand a chance against West Brom. Let's not forget, West Brom are actually unbeaten at home, um, which says a lot, um, mind you. And Peterborough have lost all but one game on the road this season, which just shows it was going to be a demolition job for West Brom. And from the 78th minute onwards, it was exactly that. Yeah, I think you're right there, but well, yeah, the whole situation, you're right. I think it's it's a silly decision and, and probably not one that will go down well with the fans. Um, I mean, you've just beaten two of the better sides in the league and, and you're getting sacked. I just don't understand it. And with their budget under the Alarms, they were one of the lowest and they look like they're going to comfortably stay up. So I think it, it's harsh on McCann if it is true. Uh, other big wins, big win for us, QPR. Obviously, we march up the table. We won't talk about us too much just because, you know, I mean, we don't want to be too biased. But Albert Adome, is, he's living every QPR fan's dream and, and the limbs in that away end were unbelievable, to, to be fair, weren't they? Absolute madness. Um, and we were sat next to each other as well, which probably makes it even more special. We'll look to assist and then, obviously, Adome gets the 88th minute winner even though there were 16 minutes of added time I I still think it just shows the togetherness and the team spirit that we have at the moment because it's it's something which I haven't seen for a very very long time and our support has been incredible this season we've we've sold out most of the games we bought 4,000 fans on two separate occasions and are trying to do it for a third time when we go to Peterborough again next Saturday and I think it's just been a special, special season so far for us. Yeah, I do truly think that QPR, you know, we could get promoted this year, um, which I don't want to get too carried away. So I'll move on and I'll talk about the last game in the championship that we'll mention, which is we'll just briefly speak about the Blades winning 2-0 back on track. Rian Brewster getting a goal and an ex-QPR man and, and much maligned man, actually, in Sheffield, Jack Robinson. Um, I've seen a lot of stick being given to Robinson off Sheffield United fans and, and so him to score would have been sweet for him. Luton, they're, so, they're just so mid-table. They look brilliant for periods of the season and then they just go and you think, can they get a result that will really kickstart and push them up towards the playoffs? And, and no was the answer. Um, but yeah, now moving on to League One then. Um, again, loads of, of cracking games I'll let you pick the first game to talk about, uh, Lucas. But I think overall, it's just such a it's such a 
entertaining league. So many goals in there. Um, but yeah, I'll let you talk about your, your pick of the week. I think my pick of the week, um, if you follow a team in League One, Wickham fans, cover your ears. Because the game I'm picking is Morecambe 3, Wickham 2. It's That was a massive, massive result for Morecambe. Um, because Morecambe, they're, they're in the bottom three. And Wickham, I think prior to Saturday, Wickham were top of the league. Um, and now they slid down to fourth following the defeat against fourth bottom Morecambe. Which says a lot, really. Um, obviously, they have. Obviously, they've already won a game this year with um, Tomani Diego Gara scoring the winning goal against Doncaster. But now onto the present day, when great, another great attempt at the name, by the way, that is a, that is a wonderful attempt at that surname. <laughs> Thanks for that. And I think um, again, Diego Gara. Um, he had another good game and. Aaron Wildig and um, Jonah Ayunga um, with um, the heroics. And let's not forget Anthony O'Connor as well. Hopefully you're a listener. And Cole Stockton too. Um, I mean, I think... Cole Stockton's a joke, isn't he? Cole Stockton just scores goals. He, he, he just scores goals for scoring goals' sake, doesn't he? Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a quality player and should be, in, in unpopular opinion... He should be nowhere near that Morecambe side. And if he doesn't get poached by a top League One side or a lower mid-table championship side at the end of the season, should Morecambe go down, then I might just stop trusting humanity because he is a baller. Um, That's the only way of putting it. And Wickham, I live near Wickham. It's my local team. So I think loads of people in my area have Wickham as their second team, myself not included. Um, But I think... They won't be happy about that, and un- and I understand why. It's their first. Lo- it's it's only their second loss since the middle of November, and yeah, just cats off. Not a good afternoon for the chair boys. I think they're the type of results, which is why I think a lot of people would say Wickham aren't in the automatic promotion hunt because when you go away to Morecambe and concede three goals, I mean Morecambe were brilliant, but. It's it's just not the type of result you'd want to get. Um, another goal, another game that ended with a, a similar scoreline was Oxford United three Sheffield Wednesday two in a in a playoff clash. Wednesday'll be disappointed with this one, to be fair, because they played really well actually. Um, just Oxford, that Sam Winnell, the former the former Wednesday man, came back to haunt them with with the eighty fourth minute winner. Matt Taylor with another brace. I mean. When Oxford score, Matt Taylor scores at the end of the day. But Wednesday's squad, it, it is brilliant on paper, but they've just been so depleted with injuries and COVID outbreak and suspension. Um, they never seem to have a consistent eleven, And that's why I'd say that criticism of Darren Moore probably isn't justified, if I'm totally honest. And I do think if Wednesday get a fit squad, they will get into the playoffs. But Oxford move into sixth and... It is a damaging defeat for Wednesday. Uh, another team with it with a damaging defeat, Portsmouth. Sunderland beating them 1-0. There's a bit of a rivalry between these two sides, isn't there? Um, and Elliot Embleton, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't an entertaining game, really. <sighs> Fine margins, to be fair. Portsmouth actually probably with a better side, created more chances, more shots, more, more of the ball. But 
Sunderland found a way, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And and just looking at the stats now, I think um, while Portsmouth um, had the, the lion's share of um, the shots and the created chances, I think it just it just is testament to Sunderland and their know-how to fit, finish the ball off and take their chances. And I think while Gavin Bazunu is a very, very good keeper, he just couldn't really keep out Elliot Embleton's effort. Um, and I think that um, the rivalry will, will only get more heated um, between the two sides and it leaves Portsmouth, it leaves a, a historic side like Portsmouth down in 10th, um, which is um, which, which isn't really good for them. But um, Sunderland are only off the top of the league on goal, on goal difference. OK, Wigan have four games in hand on them and could go as many as 12 points clear if they win all those games in hand. But I think um, it's, it's, it's a good, good, good win for Sunderland and looks like an all-round, for the most part, it looks like an all-round good performance from the Black Cats. Yeah, a solid 1-0 home win. That, they're the type of results that you need against a, a good side in Portsmouth. And I think Cowley, you know, they've just signed Tyler Walker on loan from Coventry. And I, and I think Cowley has done a good job so far. And, and I do think they'll be in and around the playoffs. Uh, you did mention Wigan there. They had a an entertaining win against a, a really out-of-form Gillingham side who, who showed a brilliant account of themselves in the second half, to be fair. To come, you know, 2-0 down against top of the league at the time uh, after 21 minutes you, you're looking at it maybe thinking it could be three four five anything here but but you know Jake Reeves scored a brilliant goal Vadane Oliver is a top player I, I know he follows the, the Instagram account and if you if you do listen to the podcast Vadane I'm not sure you will be but you did brilliantly for that Reeves goal and and then you know scoring Stuart O'Keefe making it two all in the 70th minute and that's Wigan's issue this year. They're a little bit too easy to score against, really. Um, Liam Richardson's done a wonderful job. And as I say, they are looking like they're going to be getting promoted. I mean, with the signs of like Shinny and having the likes of Shinny and McLean in, in, in League One is is a cheat code, really. But Will Keane, he, he's ex-QPR, Michael Keane's brother, obviously. But he, he got on brace and he's been under the radar this season. He's had a really... A really decent campaign, and his two his winner obviously in the seventy seventh minute meant that the ticks went top of the league, and they are probably looking the most likely to uh, to get promoted back to the championship, which which I think a lot of people wanted to see after that whole betting ownership rubbish scandal that that really affected the club a couple of years ago, well about eighteen months ago now, but. Yeah, great win for the Ticks. Um, a couple of one nils here, Lucas. Rotherham, they had another standard one nil win at home. Not really much to speak about there. Michael Smith, he's the man. But I want to come to you with the name Dion Charles because what a way to end the run of eight away defeats on the bounce in the 89th minute. Um, I think after Ian Everts. Rather deluded statements um, in October claiming that Bolton were the best side of the league. I think um, with the new lad James Trafford in goal, he was phenomenal. And I think um, it looks like it was a really, really strong all-round team performance. And 
Mar- Marco Morosi, who we all know from playing him, playing against him at Coventry twice last season, he's a bit of a dodgy keeper. He's got a mistake in him, and I haven't seen I haven't seen the goal, so don't quote me on it. But could he have oh, done better? Lucas. Oh no, it is an unbelievable strike. You need to see it when you get the chance because. Honestly, it's 89th minute, you're on debut, you've not played much this season after a falling out with John Coleman. And the touch and volley from about 25 yards is is just a joke. And the limbs in the Bolton end were, were incredible, to be fair. A massive three points for them, which moves them, you know, away from not danger, because I don't think they're in danger, but they are a team that this time last season were similar position and went on an unbelievable run and and you know as I say they've made some really good signings Aaron Morley, Trafford, Dion Charles, Marlon Fossey all great signings and maybe one or two more and, and they're going to be looking like a top half League One side um, to be fair and then the final game in League One that we are going to touch upon is another game that ended 1-0 and it, it's a big loss for MK Dons at home on, on an absolute mud heap of a pitch uh, Doncaster beating them 1-0 Doncaster somehow winning a game of football I mean they still look doomed don't they Lucas but it's more about the story's probably more about MK Dons who it's a massively bad defeat for them that isn't it yeah um, and obviously living fairly near MK Dons um, all be in the same county but still an hour's drive um, I still think it was pretty grim for them Let's not forget, this is a Doncaster side who have lost 18 matches this season. Um, it's looking pretty grim for them. They have minus 30 goal difference and the side below them, Gillingham, have a game in hand as well. So it's looking, so if they get, so if Gillingham gets something out of that game in hand, then Doncaster just go bottom. It's, it's their first way in stopping a, stopping quite a bad run of, I think it's something like, 10 defeats in the last 11 or give or take but yeah it's a it's a massive massive result and Josh Martin providing the assist for Joe Dodu it's is a crucial result and could it lead to survival I think it's too little too late if there's any Doncaster fans listening let us know via our Instagram but yeah I think it's a massive massive result in, and it sent shockwave through the entire league, and yeah, we'll, how MK Dons will recover from that, I don't know. They have Burton tomorrow, and then they have a bit of a derby against Wickham. Um, but yeah, that's all I have to say, really. I think the loss of Matt O'Reilly to Celtic for only one point five million pounds is massive for them, and that's one thing that makes me think MK Dons will probably fade. Even though Liam Manning's done a great job there so far this season but there's teams below them such as Ipswich who got a good win at home um, Portsmouth yes they did lose but they look decent Sheffield Wednesday are still you know going to be up there um, Charlton who got a, a big home win for them they're all clubs that will probably sign more players and probably be able to invest money whereas MK Dons it's all about keeping what they have left really and, and with with O'Reilly gone, who really did make them tick. Yes, they've still got Scott Twine, who's who's an excellent player, but 
I wouldn't be surprised if he could go late in the window for probably good money, but I wouldn't be surprised if he goes. And if he does, then, as I say, it's it's, it's bad news really for for Don for MK Don's fans. But it's one of those things. That's the, that's what happens when you're a League One club. You are going to lose your better players, and yeah, it is a great win for Doncaster. Um, but yeah, poor for the Dons. But moving on now to uh, League Two. Then so the first game we've got to talk about Mansfield really. I mean, would you want to take them, Lucas, or do you want me to to fire away with the Stags? I'll try my best, but I think um, it's a it's a massive result, a result that takes Mansfield into the top seven and plunges Barrow further into trouble. Yes, they're seven points off the relegation of the bottom two. But they're in 21st place, so it's looking pretty grim for um, Barrow. Um, I think, as as you just said, for the Stags, it's a really big result with um, Stephen McLaughlin getting a goal and an assist. And let's not forget they finished with 10 men after Farrand Rawson got dismissed as well. And I think um, new signing Lucas Aikens also came on. With 10 minutes to go, feels weird not seeing him in a Burton shirt. We'll get used to that, I guess. And obviously, old old boy John Joe O'Toole, John Joe O'Toole at the back also putting in quite a solid shift. And I think Robbie Gotts popping up with the assist again for Barrow is crucial for them. And yes, um, they completely played Barrow off the park. 10 shots, um, 10 chances. And I think they were worthy of the three points. I mean, Mansfield have just flown up the table. It's it's incredible what Clough can do when he gets a team on a run. But I think there's not enough said about... I mean, yes, John, we talk about John Joe O'Toole, but Oliver Hawkins played centre-back last week and, and now he's getting a 7.2 rating up front, putting a shift in. And next week, he'll probably be back at centre-half. So, I mean, that's just incredible to me. Stephen McLaughlin, goal and an assist. He's been brilliant this season and his goal was was top, to be fair. It was brilliant. But you're right about Barrow. There was pre-season optimism for them um, before the season started under Mark Cooper, the former Forest Green manager. But I just don't think it's gone well for them, to be fair. They 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 signed the likes of Zanzala to then not play him and he then goes to a team like Exeter who were fighting for promotion. So you've got to question, question uh, Cooper's decisions there, really, haven't you? Um Another team who got a massive win and continued their great run of form was Tranmere, beating Crawley 1-0. Um, Jay Spearing with with a very soft goal, a free kick that, that trickled in via a deflection. But Tranmere are just so good at not conceding goals. And that's what they that's what Mickey Mellon and Tranmere Rovers are brilliant at. You know, they're hard to beat with the 37-year-old Peter Clark still putting a shift in at centre half and they, I mean, they signed Kane Hemmings from Burton, who, who's took a step down, which which shows that they're financially going to be backed as well. Josh McPake also came in. Um, but yeah, great win for them. Probably expected, you know, for Tranmere, but, but they carry on to move up the table. And yeah, good win for them. And another another tide... Who... Um, or, I'll just, t- I'll just oh, touch on, on yeah. the um, Crawley-Tranmere game. Crawley had Joel Lynch at the back. Um um, we all remember him, and I knew you were gonna mention and, and and I'm just going to correct you on this one. Peter Clark is actually 40 years old, 
And no, the, he really. Yeah, he's forty years of age, and the man alongside him, Sam Foley, is thirty-five. So it just showed the the old heads coming through and really putting in a good performance. <laughs> and they also have Callum McManaman on the bench. Remember him? Um, yeah, I thought you didn't. And um, on a more personal note, I saw two Tranmere coaches on the way home from the Coventry match. 443 supporters for a League 2 side, that's not too bad for that distance, I must say. Yeah, Tranmere are a big club for League 2. Um, another club that are, are massive for League 2, but are just going through a miserable patch at the moment. And a club that's fairly close to me is Bradford City. Um, I think they're, I mean, they took two and a half thousand away fans to Rochdale. Yes, it's not far, but a League 2 club to take two and a half thousand is just a joke it's so good from Bradford fans and they average about 16,000 at home as well so they're just not getting what they deserve and a nil-nil drawing I think what summed it up for them was Lee Angle going through one-on-one with the keeper and, and pulling his hamstring just before taking the shot which I mean that that just sums up Bradford's season this year and the thing is, they could still go go up. You know, they are twelfth, and they've been really poor. I, I went in person watching to watch them against uh, Carlisle actually, and they were just poor. And the fans were brilliant, but Bradford were just poor. They just didn't have any attacking intent, any ideas. There was no pace up front, no nothing. But I really hope they do turn it round, Bradford, because I think Derek Adams, he showed last year and he showed at Plymouth that he's a great manager, but there's just something not right at the moment at the club. Um, but yeah, that's Brad, That's my Bradford City rant over with. Another club who are so frustrating, must be to be a supporter of, is Salford City. I mean, massive win that for Colchester. They, they bit the bullet and got rid of Hayden Mullins in the week and first game without him with Wayne Brown as the caretaker and coming in off five losses on the bounce you know you're thinking for the worst but they did have the likes of Alan Judge back and Miles Kenlock it's basically it's Ipswich Town reserves isn't it with Luke Chambers at centre half but a big win for them 3-0 quite convincing to be fair um Freddie Sears as well I think he bagged a goal yeah, no, he bagged an assist. Sorry, Corey Andrews got the third goal. But, yeah, massive win for Colchester. But, but Salford just consistency-wise, I mean, they came in, having lost only once in the last five and picking up three wins out of the last five, but done 3-0 by a side who have been, frankly, awful. I just don't know what to think with, with Salford City anymore. Um, n- n- neither do I, and... Um... And let's not forget, Salford City had Matt Smith up top. Um, big Matt Smith, six six foot seven, I believe, making his debut. And they had Aramide Ote on the bench. And I think it's safe to say that the Ipswich Town retirement home pulled through and got an unlikely win against um, a Salford side who's been doing quite well for themselves recently. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say, really. But... Miles Kenlock was incredible, got a goal and got man in the match. Luke Chambers also put in an assist. Alan Judge, um, Corey Andrews as well came on, scored, only lasted 17 minutes before going off. And the amount of 
former Ipswich players they have, it's kind of scary because, as I just said, it's literally just become an Ipswich Town retirement home. Yeah, and it's actually one of the youngsters on loan, Miles Kenlock, who stole the show, but he's on loan from Ipswich. But there you go. Anyway, moving on, good win for Exeter in, in the Matt Taylor derby. Obviously, both managers called Matt Taylor. Um, Tim Dieng with a great header in the just before half-time, and then Rollin Meniesi gets sent off five minutes after half-time, and, and the game was over then, really, for Walsall, who, again, loads of pre-season optimism, came in, new manager, we're going to invest, and, you know, it's just not worked at all for them this year. They're, they're 17th in the table, and pressure is starting to mount a little bit on, on Matt Taylor. Um, but great win for X. Exeter, they're always in and around the playoffs for Exeter. And could this finally be the year they get it over the line? Maybe, but you never know. A side that definitely do look like they're going to be getting it over the line, though, is Forest Green, don't they? Oh, without question. They're, they're, they're top of the league, seven points clear, and with a game in hand on the two on the two sides below them. They've only lost two matches all season. And I think with them beating Carlisle 3-0 and... With, with Matt Stevens and Jamil Matt in the goals, as per usual. It's not surprising to see them absolutely battering a team like Carlisle. Obviously, Morgan Feeney and Mark Howard did not have good games. Feeney only got 4.6 on FOPMOB and scored an OG. And I think it's just testament to what Rob Edwards is doing. And let's not forget, the ownership behind him as well has also been very strong. Um... And just touching on the Exeter match, both managers called Matt Taylor. By the end of the month, both will be 40 years old as well. Um, and I think with um, Timothy Dieng, Cameron Dawson and everyone else pulling strings for Exeter, Matt Jay as well, is looking pretty for them, isn't it? Yeah, Matt, Matt Jay is a top player. I, again, he's the one that I wouldn't be surprised if, if he leaves the Greshens this January or in the summer if they don't go up because... He's more than good enough to to play at least League One football. Quite a few nil nils. Uh, Port Vale and Leighton Orient drawing nil nil in a game that probably won't satisfy both both fan base. Both teams that have promised to get in the playoffs this season, but have both just they draw too many games. Both sides and Port Vale are too inconsistent. Sutton and Northampton another nil nil. Um, you know, third versus fourth, Sutton have been brilliant this season. They, they've they really punched above their weight. And, and Northampton, defensively, their goalkeeper, Liam Roberts, is brilliant. He's kept so many clean sheets. And that's probably why Northampton are, are, are where they are on the table under John Brady. But nil-nil in that game. And then we've got to talk about Harrogate 3, Oldham Athletic nil because... Yes, the Shesurection is back at Oldham with John Sheridan coming back to the club. That It's probably the only club where a John Sheridan appointment is so popular, but that was needed because ugly scenes at full time with the players getting dogs abuse. But Oldham just look doomed, don't they? They just look absolutely doomed. I think it goes without saying that Oldham are in some serious, serious trouble at the moment. They're bottom of the league Seven points from safety, having lost 15 matches this season. OK, Scunthorpe have only won three. Um, but they've been so, so poor that their last... OK, they had an enthralling 5-5 draw. They haven't won a game since the 20th of November. Prior to that, it was October, September, 
August. And I've just listed all their win, all their league wins for the season there. Okay, losing 6 0 to Wigan didn't help, but that's an aside. Um, I think Jack Muldoon was absolutely phenomenal, scoring a hat trick, and everyone else, Mark Oxley in goal, Lewis Page at left back, Josh Falkingham, and Luke Armstrong at top as well, grabbing an assist also. They all put in some very, very strong shifts and going and then looking at um, Oldham, it's just looking really, really bad for them now, isn't it? With Jason Lloyd Villa in goal and everything else just looking grim. Yeah, it's just grim at Oldham at the moment. Obviously, the owner's situation with the owners, it's just they all want him out. He has said that he is going to sell and I think the Sheridan decision is a popular one and and hopefully that does turn it around for Oldham because as I say it's another club that, that you know it's a heart of a community and you just don't want to see an, another club in an area similar to Berry where you know it's a hard working area where football is massive in, in those sort of towns and you, you just don't want to see a, a former Premier League side in Oldham fall out of the football league um Last couple of games we're going to talk about then. Big win for Newport away at Scunthorpe. Courtney Baker-Richardson with the deciding goal moves Newport into the top six. I mean, not much more to say on that one, really, um, other than Scunthorpe, again, a poor result for them. They remain in the bottom two. But I think under Keith Hill, they will, they will turn up and get a few better results. And then... A bit of a derby, Swindon v Bristol Rovers. The gas took loads of fans and fair play to Bristol Rovers. Their, their away support is brilliant. Um, two wins and a draw in the last three now and hopefully they have turned a corner under Joey Barton. Um, as for Swindon, they stay fifth. Their form has been pretty decent to be fair to them, but it's just one of those where with Swindon, they just seem to shoot themselves in the foot sometimes defensively and it was similar today well, not today, on Saturday against Bristol Rovers. But overall, it's been a brilliant weekend of, of football across the top four tiers, hasn't it, Lucas? Yeah, it's been another fantastic weekend. Loads of unexpected performances, unexpected wins as well. Um, and some pos and some giant kiddings from right from the Premier right from the Premier League to Doncaster beating MK Dons and Morecambe beating Wickham in League One and down to League Two as well. Um, it's been another really good weekend in English football and let's see what the next week brings. Yeah, so thanks you so much guys for listening. We, we could talk about transfers but the tr truth is right now there's not a lot concrete that looks like it's going to happen and, and plus there's not really too much to say on transfers but Hopefully, this will be out by Tuesday. If you're listening on Tuesday, then brilliant. We're not going to cover the midweek games because we probably will touch upon them next weekend. But hopefully, we uh, hopefully you guys have enjoyed listening and, and we'll be back next week with hopefully plenty more to talk about from another exciting weekend of EFL football. So, from me and Lucas, all we want to say is if you have made it this far, thank you so much, guys, and up the top four tiers. Yeah, thanks, guys, and see you next time.